Good evening and welcome to today's podcast brought to you by Equine Devil's Advocate. Uh, just a quick reminder, we are now available on iTunes uh, as well as obviously Podbean, Spotify, Facebook and our website www.equinedevilsadvocate.com I do have some potentially exciting news. I may have found the answer to YouTube. Don't hold your breath, but it looks like the distinct possibility, so I will keep you posted there. Well, what peculiar weather we are having on this Monday in February. The last podcast on Friday was brought to you from a whole heap of snow. And yet today, sunshine, warm, and as predicted, everything melted and turned to mush. And yet now, this evening, some freezing fog. We'll just have to keep soldiering on, as we do every year. So, today's podcast is going to be a little different, because from some correspondence from last week... There has been something slightly toying on my mind. Now, this person has corresponded a few times, and there is a theme within the emails. It is that theme, that collage of everything that we have talked about pretty much from the beginning of Series 1. It's that theme of yard politics, all that fluff and stuff of opinions that actually can become, over time, quite demoralising. So, there is, of course, purpose behind our podcast. Yes, we do want it to be entertaining and comprehensive. And yes, we want to provide some answers and some understanding. We want to generate some dialogue and discussion and hopefully some inspiration to move forward in our journey with our horses. But we cannot deny the fact that there are certain things that overshadow this development. That little cloud, not so much the gremlins, but that sort of creeping dark cloud that follows us or sits over our yard when we go to see our horses. Now, of course, I will also add that discussing this email was done with seeking permission from the person that wrote it. So have no concerns over uh, your emails are, of course, still very private and anonymous if you wish. Now, we have to say our journeys are always unique and very individual to each of us. We do all stem and start this journey because we all have a love of horses That's something we have in common. It does seem to be, however, a never-ending journey. doesn't matter if it's with your first horse or with a succession of horses that come into your life. But I think we do try and accomplish what we think is our best, whether that be our best partnership, our best progress, our best attempts to overcome the hardest challenge there are so many goals desires and achievements but they are all very personal 
and totally individual. Yet it becomes complex when they are interwoven. They are interwoven into a social scene. Now that can be with our friends, our family. It can be with competitive training. It can be with learning a professional aspect within the horse world. But the picture becomes bigger and bigger, and so too does the information available to us. The more we look outwards, the more we find different advice, techniques, management validations, advocated therapies, and on and on. The list goes, and so too, the picture grows. Our choices become greater. Now, wouldn't it just be fantastic that every piece of advice we heard was irrefutable in its wisdom and held exactly the answer that we all needed? That everything available to us. Was totally correct. A solid answer. Aha! Job done. Or a foolproof method for any improvement. Well, the truth is, it can't be that way, and it isn't that way. One person says this, another person says that, another says something else, and so it goes on and on and on. And do you know? In fact, where else? In recreational pursuits, is this same scenario? And you know, sometimes I think if we didn't actually have the real passion for the horse itself underlying all of this, we might even go a little bit doolally. So, going back to the email, this email I think highlights exactly how this confusion can start to encroach in. Our lives,、um, and as I said, it's not the first with this underlying theme within it from the same person, and it is most definitely a livery yard situation. So, what better for this podcast? Let me read it to you again. Obviously, it came from the Gremlin episode, so it starts. Recently, there appears to be gremlins that always want to spread their opinions. For me, most recently, they tell me my horse wants them to ride him because they make him work, and I just dolly him around like a donkey at the beach. He is too big for me. He is too much horse for me. I must let other more experienced people jump him, as he is bored doing flat work. And the list goes on. Interesting, I thought. And how does one actually cope? With that sort of situation, with so many conflicting opinions coming at one from different sides, you see, our horse world has changed. I think quite dramatically with the rise in social media. There was a time when the Pony Club published one manual, the Pony Club manual. Was the Bible? It was gospel, full of sound, linear advice and lots of illustrations to depict correct and incorrect. Didn't matter whether that was the position of the rider or how to lay out a correctly bedded stable, 
or clockwork grids. Everything was laid out clearly and concisely in one manual. Explicit rules of reference for the appropriate and correct for all. If you knew your Pony Club manual, then you knew that what you were doing would be pretty much met with approval wherever you went. So, what's different now is that there are so many more avenues for information. With just a little bit of finger tapping, you can probably find at least ten different answers to any question that you ask. And all of them come with some degree of it worked for me. And of course, there's no denying that it has a helpful side. But it runs alongside of what's available. Now, what's available may be following an admired and respected professional writer and reading their literature, listening to their advice. Or it may be going to their clinic and having their knowledge firsthand. And the benefit of that knowledge applied to you and your horse. But equally, what goes alongside of that could be a conflict to their advice and their opinion coming from a different source. And when you bring that down to a closed social scene within your own yard, it seems very easy to understand that there can be so many differing opinions on what could or could not be done better. So, we say the only way you are going to understand what your answer is, is if you understand exactly why you need an answer. I hope that's not too confusing, because by that I mean what exactly is your issue? What exactly do you, with your horse, need or want to change, improve, develop, whatever it may be, the first thing you need to do is define exactly what that is. It may be that you're not 100% certain, and it may be that a knowledgeable, skilled professional rider might actually be able to define it for you. That could be an answer. But if you do not know exactly what the issue is, you cannot even start to look for an answer. You need to know exactly what is going on with you and your horse at that exact point in your journey. So my question is, how many of us actually stop just for a moment and ask ourselves, that very important question. Because if you do, it does actually start to cut through an awful lot of that fluff and stuff, those politics that can very easily mislead us. Now, we've talked briefly about opinions before. You know, everybody has got one. But let's 
have a look at this comprehensive example of opinions. I need to ride your horse to make it work. Interesting, I thought, and I rather suspect that comes alongside the criticism of your jollying him around like a donkey on a beach. So, firstly, here we have clearly two very conflicting opinions. One is advocating work; work is better. The other, jollying, jollying is better. Opposite ends of the spectrum. Is there a little hope to bridge that opinion gap? Well, maybe. Firstly, let's talk about the work. That must be defined. What exactly is meant by work? Is that person contemplating anaerobic, intensive, vigorous exercise, or is that person meaning more along the lines of aerobic work, something rhythmical and over a longer period of time? Or are we talking work that stimulates the horse more in a mental way? Taps into his intelligence and him using a thought process, and above all, how would that horse benefit and develop from this defined work? We then need to take the same principle to the jollying around. What exactly does that mean, and why does it invite attention? Is it because perhaps the horse is tripping over his feet and falling around and out of balance and likely to cause himself damage, or is it because he's disinterested and just in la la land, hence the mention of boredom? Of course, you see, we don't know. We don't have the answer to either of these opinions if they're posed as a question. So, here is our problem. Here is our conflict. Of course, we would tend to think the best answer is to see, to observe both of these opinions in action. Then, then we would make a choice as to which would be better to correct, possibly. Okay. So, from the description, let's. Hypothetically, create a little video in our heads. Let's take the video of the horse working and jumping. My video to you is is a picture of an erratic horse, a horse that's rushing, a horse that's out of balance with a poor canter rhythm, knocking poles and throwing himself at the fences. My hypothetical video may be very different from yours. So, equally, let's take a hypothetical video. Make one up in your mind. Have a video of the horse jollying around. What does that look like? My hypothetical video looks a bit like a horse that's aimless, meandering, without direction. Has no purpose. Now, off the back of your mental picture, what would you advise if your opinion was asked? Would you go 
straight to the rider and find the fault there. I'd have a bet with you that actually you might. But what exactly is happening? And what exactly would you apply to that horse that is not your own? You see, suddenly we have two completely different riders on one horse, but we are talking about two completely different paths to follow. On the one hand, you could say, "Well, he needs jump training," or does he, on the other hand, he just need to learn to be more more present and apply himself and engage himself more in his flat work. They are very different questions to ask, and each could probably bring another ten choices, and that then sounds to me like a whole heap of fluff and stuff. So, how on earth can we best detangle ourselves from this political fluff and stuff? Well, I say. Try this. A lot of people think by avoidance tactics, so they start to become in a place where they avoid the busy times on the yard. They'll maybe ride when it's quiet, or or、um, choose a time when everybody else has gone home, or don't ride, just be quick and do their jobs and leave. But there's always that little cloud. Hanging over them, that little cloud that becomes a bit demoralising and actually stops your journey forward. So that's why I say, try this. Take your mind right back to the very start point, that very point at which you said,、mm, "Yes, I am going to buy a horse." What did you want from that horse, and then why did you buy this particular horse? What was it that you liked? What was your vision of your future together? Has your horse been a willing participant in that journey to date? Have there been some complications along the way? Have you then changed your vision for your future, or perhaps has life and circumstances just got in the way? Have you lost your way? Did you have originally a passion for a particular aspect of sport, or was your passion the care and friendship more so than the riding? Did you just want to dive into the social scene and hope to be inspired by it, new ideas to come to you, or did you formulate your journey specifically into that social scene? Now, when you can answer those questions for yourself, to yourself, your journey becomes a little bit more clear. It does become more personal and more individual, but you know where you're at. You know why you started and where you want to go. You also then know perhaps what needs addressing. What could improve? What could be better? And what could be more fulfilling? 
the interesting thing about this is that if you ask the very same person with a conflicting opinion those self same questions, their answers would be entirely different. They would be polar opposites, probably as different as the opinions themselves. Now, can we bridge that opinion gap? Well, possibly not. Is it because we're just too different as people, you say? Well, no. What's really going on, the truth behind all of this, is two people with a very different opinion on what a horse should be. That is the conflict and that is the opposition. Every criticism and every answer, social media or otherwise, originates from the perspective of what that person believes a horse should be. And there are so many variations on that theme. The horse should be calm. It should be quiet. No, it should be exciting to ride. It should be biddable. No, it should be respectful. It should work hard. It should show its talent. It should carry me. It should teach me. It should love me. It should perform for me. And the list goes on and on and on. We all begin our journey with an expectation an expectation that we apply to that horse that we buy, even if it is the most basic of expectations. Something like, well, just like me, and everything else is a bonus. Even that is always an expectation. Now, it doesn't mean that expectations are wrong or a bad thing. But I take you back to Ziggy, in series one, we don't all want the same, we don't all need the same, and we don't all strive for the same. So when we reconnect and re-identify with our own expectations and the path that we strive to follow, then in a sensible, practical way, with our horse's best interests at heart, a sort of inner confidence can actually start to emerge. The whole process starts to feel right, and it becomes more clear what we need to work on, what would be better if we improved it, and what would enable that improvement. The whole thing then becomes a lot less daunting and a lot less submissive, I suppose is the best word, to the opinions of others. We can choose the progression of our journey in our own time scale in a way to suit us. We can choose small steps forward that fit our time scale, our ability and with a sense of pleasure rather than fight. And a horse in that situation can be a participant in that journey rather than a victim of it. So often with opinions, the horse becomes a victim 
of the opinion. With this scenario, it's much easier to find your feet, reconnect with your focus, your direction, and find the way that you wish to develop. A way that you can enjoy it, a way that your horse enjoys it, and a way that you can ask a very specific question to a very specific issue that you might want to address. And the bottom line is, if the opinions of others differ wildly from yours, so be it. Because realistically, it's because their expectations are different. If there is no room to find common ground, so be it. If there is, that's great. But if not, just agree to differ. Now, I do hope that makes sense. It is a lot to think about, but hopefully, it's a way. Yeah, to perhaps help some of those of you who are struggling a little bit with yard fluff and stuff politics, and find a little bit of sunshine in that cloud that you find hanging over your horse's stable. And of course, please do add your thoughts, experiences, and any yeah any advice that you might like to offer. Um, www.equinedevilsadvocate.com. Um, choose your page, and we will, of course, catch up with you again this coming Friday. Now, until then, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, please do take care, and we will, of course, speak soon.